Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Dan Harris, joined by Mike Tagliere. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at NFL. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Tags, how you doing? I am doing fantastic, um, partly because my wife worked today, and um, that means that I don't really have anybody to cook me meals. Like, so if she works during the week, it's it, it is what it is, and I can fix myself something to eat, you know, while I'm taking a break from work or whatever. Uh, but on Sundays, it's like there is no leaving the televisions and there's no leaving the man cave. So I just kind of snack all day, and my dinner consisted of uh, I felt like Bobby Sylvester just sitting in front of my TV watching football and uh, eating ice cream uh, for dinner. That was my dinner today. I mean, you and Bobby have such a bizarre outlook on life where literally your your good days are when your wife like doesn't cook you dinner and you can just eat ice cream all day. I like a home-cooked meal, man. I get it. I take my 13-minute <laughs> break in between watching football to have dinner with the family on Sundays, and then I run back down uh, to the basement and start watching again. So, uh, you know, personally, I think you're missing out a little bit. Well. I prefer, I prefer, so to be fair, I do prefer the home cooked meals as well, but I mean, I've been dieting for so long in terms of like what I do so that like when I have a cheat day, I kind of appreciate it. I think that's fair tag. See, my problem is I just have naturally the perfect physique, so I don't diet or do anything. <laughs> I can just eat whatever I want. It's fantastic. Uh, my wife would totally agree if she were on this podcast right now. Enough of this. Let's get into it. Who's your big winner for the day? Big winner for the day. I mean, if I say anybody other than Stefan Diggs, it has to be wrong, right? That's true. You know, he kind of killed it where he was supposed to. And him and Thielen, I said two weeks ago that they with with the schedule they had coming up between the Giants and the Eagles that, that you should have been buying those receivers. And I mean, if you want to hang on to Diggs after, you know, seeing what he did today, that's fine because they, they're going to have two of the next three games coming up are good. Uh, but I mean, his stock definitely improved. But at the same time... I, I tend to sell high on players like this, where it's like, we know that this is a run first offense. We knew that Philadelphia, could, like they, they shut down the run and they did. They shut down Dalvin Cook today and you know, the Vikings game plan well. Uh, they got digs the ball and he actually should have had even more. He had one drop. The, the one interception that Cousins threw was actually off Stephon Diggs' chest. So, uh, but yeah, Stephon Diggs is definitely the biggest winner here. Yeah, 11 targets, seven catches, 167 yards, plus 18 yards rushing and the three touchdowns. Now, I, I two things here. First of all, you know, tags, the my whole shtick with this thing, you know, we do what's your problem, man, which I love, where I basically call you out. And what I do there is I usually look for differences in our rest of season rankings. I see where you are much higher on somebody who had a particularly bad day or vice versa, and I go into it. But I want to at least here give kudos to you because you kept the faith with Diggs. I mean, you had him at 25 in half PPR rankings rest of season coming in. I had him 11 spots lower. So kudos to you at least for keeping the faith there in terms of what you wanted, even though you're essentially sort of calling him necessarily a sell high. I do have one question with that, though. The Vikings offense, the last two games, has clearly looked better. I mean, it, it was a matchup thing, especially today. As you said, you know, the, it's clear the uh, Eagles struggle in their secondary. They shut down the run. So it was a good game for the passing game. But since they've complained, the offense sort of has opened up the passing game a little bit more, and it looks better. It looks better than when they just sort of pound Dalvin Cook nonstop and run and run and run, at least in my opinion. Do you think at all that this might be a little more of a trend going forward where they're going to air it out a little bit more going forward, not just because of a matchup like this, but generally they're like, hey, our offense looks a little better this way. Maybe we should keep this going. 
Not generally, no. I, I just think this is really matchup dependent. And knowing, again, like last week, it was a chance to build some confidence and we didn't see them throw the ball a whole lot. Uh, we did see Thielen get off the, you know, <laughs> kind of the fantasy floor and, and, and score. But again, I don't want to take too much from one game. Uh, it, again, this Vikings defense is legit. They're not going to have to throw the ball a whole lot. In order to to rack up the pass attempts, they essentially need someone that can consistently score on the Vikings defense. And the Eagles, they, they proved the ability to at least th- be a threat and, and force uh, the Vikings to stay throwing the ball because if not for that, I think we would have seen like 40 rushing attempts out of the Vikings offense. So it just, it's really matchup dependent. So Diggs is still a high end wide receiver three in my books. Uh, I, I don't want to sell him for nothing, but if you can get someone to pay you top 15 prices after this performance, which I buy, the, I think you can, um, because people tend to overreact. It, it was the same thing with Will Fuller last week. People were telling me like they were trading away Will Fuller for like all sorts of goodies. So uh, if you could find someone, because Diggs, even going back to the Bears game like a few weeks back, he went over 100 yards against the Bears. So it's not like he's been terrible. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the types of games where Diggs is going to succeed are really where defenses are going to get pressure on Cousins quick, right? Because he he, that's really what he does. That's where he has to get the ball out quick. That's more the Diggs that was like against Chicago, right? That was when he had the big game. So and the Packers, he scored the touchdown and he could have had two there again, another team that gets to the quarterback. So I, I, I completely agree. If you can sell high, like, you know, Fuller showed what it's like, you know, today he came back down to earth as most people should have expected. So certainly if you could sell high on that, go ahead. I just think, you know, given the fact that they opened it up a little bit more against the Giants still, you know, not not crazy when they didn't have to necessarily. Um, I'm wondering whether or not they go to the air a little bit more here, but I think everything that you're saying is fair. And let's move then to your biggest loser. Biggest loser of the day for me is Damian Williams. I really did feel like with with uh, Patrick Mahomes dealing with the ankle injury, knowing that he was missing his left guard, his left tackle for this game, uh, knowing the Houston pass rush with J.J. Watt, I was like, okay, they're going to involve the screen game. They're going to get Damian Williams the ball. They're going to like they're going to do that. And in the week prior, we saw LaShawn McCoy get two touches, and nobody else touched the ball outside of Damian Williams. So I was like, even though none of them produced at a high rate, it was like, okay. You know, if we were to extrapolate this, you know, multiply it by two, we're, we're talking about four touches for LaShawn McCoy. That's not a big threat to Damian Williams. And then we go to this game and LaShawn McCoy out snaps him 27 to 21, out touches him. Damian Williams sees two touches in this game. Andy Reid told us in the offseason that this was going to be a timeshare. And, you know, we talked about this on last week's show and saying it's difficult to take much away because it was a really odd game in week five. But now that we have another game, a sample size, this is clearly a backfield that you're not going to be able to trust on a weekly basis. And, you know, Damian Williams is nothing more than a mediocre RB3 right now with an extremely low floor. Yeah, I mean, he does score the touchdown, right? So it, um, the one thing is, yeah, that's the thing. It, it, it is something where he scored a touchdown. You might be able to play it off that in the trade market, but he got two touches. Like you said, LaShawn McCoy got 10 touches. Why they only ran the ball 10 times, I mean, they just completely abandoned it and they were throwing the whole game. But let me ask you something then. You had Williams ahead of McCoy coming in. Are you switching that this week? Are they both just people completely to avoid? I think this week I'm probably going to say that McCoy is the better option. Uh, they're playing on Thursday night against the Broncos, and I'm probably going to have to go with McCoy just considering he outsnapped him. So going back to week five, it's it's possible that maybe LaShawn McCoy was like they were just basically just giving him a week of rest uh, from that ankle that he'd been dealing with for a couple weeks. And he did practice in full all week this week, so maybe that's just a sign of things to come. He did look good in this game, uh, so I, I don't think that they should definitely take away that role. So I, I'm right now I have to assume assume that it's LaShawn McCoy's job, but I'm, I, I say that with zero confidence. 
Okay, that's good. I like when we have zero confidence in things. <laughs> it makes me feel better because I also have zero confidence. I do not have zero confidence in my ability to question you on what's your problem, man. My favorite segment, personally, and I was saying to Tags before we started recording, I'm going to be honest here. Again, I just explained what I usually do. I look for differences in our rankings, places where we're really different, and I try to see somebody who did particularly well or it's someone who favors me because I'm the host. I can do what I want. It was hard this week. I'll be honest. When we were off, it was mostly Tags being right on the money on this one for his rest of season rankings. But don't worry, I found one or two. And we'll start with Cortland Sutton. Now, this was not the best game from Sutton at all. I mean, he had four catches, 76 yards, and a tough matchup against Tennessee. But he's got seven targets or more in every single game, three touchdowns in the last two weeks before this one. Now, Emmanuel Sanders left today's game with an injury, but even before then, Tags, you had him 40th. In your rest-of-season half-PPR rankings, I had him 24th. That 16-spot difference is the biggest difference in any ranking for us at any position, and I wish he had a bigger game today so I could do more with this. But still, (laughs) what's your problem with Cortland Sutton? I mean, why isn't he a borderline reliable wide receiver too? He's actually been moving up my board, and I actually, even, even with his slow game today, I did move him up to wide receiver 34. You know, seeing that consistent targets is one thing, and that's good. And he's done a lot of it after the catch. So it's like a lot of that stuff I, I don't want to rely on. It's kind of like an A.J. Brown scenario where A.J. Brown has done a ton after the catch, and eventually that's going to catch up to him where it's going to slow down. And if he doesn't get that production after the catch, it's like what is really happening? It's the same reason I didn't want to draft Corlin Sutton. It's the same reason I didn't want to draft Emmanuel Sanders. I rarely ever want to tie myself to a Joe Flacco receiver. Uh, even going back to his Baltimore days in his prime, I mean, Derek Mason was probably the closest thing that Joe Flacco ever had to a consistent fantasy wide receiver. Steve Smith had some games up and down, sure, but Flacco has just been overall just a mediocre quarterback, and it definitely helps that he's getting targets, and that's why I did move him up um, upon, like, actually yesterday, I'm such a nerd, dude, like, my Saturday night was filled with sitting around creating a new spreadsheet, kind of looking at opportunity and the the consistency of targets, and that's where I came across some things, including Cortland Sutton and, like, how rare it is to have a wide receiver that's being targeted at least seven times per game. Uh, but again, he is still tied to Joe Flacco, and it it's difficult for me to rank him over guys like A.J. Green. I would rather have A.J. Green moving forward. I would rather have John Brown, who's also seeing those targets, and his targets are usually further down the field. I would take Will Fuller. I would take Michael Gallup. So when you start talking about those receivers who I have in front of him, it's because I just can't take him over those guys. It's not to say that he's not a, a wide receiver three in fantasy right now, because he is, but it's it's I'm hesitant to fully trust him. I, I get all that. I get all that. I'm not going to go crazy here with Sutton, but I don't know, man. I mean, I, I get you don't want to go crazy with a Flacco-led offense, but Flacco hasn't been terrible this year. I mean, he was on pace for nearly the most yards he had ever thrown for in his career, and I know he's generally started kind of fast. Um, but, you know, look, he's got it. He's throwing the ball. It's got to go somewhere. Sutton is doing things after the catcher, right? A lot of it comes from that, especially I think it was last week or two weeks ago where he had that 70-yard catch and run but I don't know man I'll take him over Brown for sure I mean especially Sanders is injured I don't know how serious it is right now but regardless he's going up against KC next week that's certainly something that uh you're you're probably going to want to have him in your lineup if you own him but for me yeah I'm I'm not nearly as concerned about him I I you know look at it as Brown is catching passes from Josh Allen it's not somebody who I'm super excited about even though Brown has been great um this year I, I completely get it but for me yeah he he's up there so um, I'm, I'm willing to accept sort of your rationale for it, but I, you know, for me getting the targets, um, you know, I, I, I liked him sort of as a breakout candidate based on his talent, um, generally. So 
I'm more than willing to stick with him there. You've up to 34. I'm not going to really argue with that, but I still think in the end he's a top 30 guy. No, that's fair. And I, I mean, maybe we can make the argument that the Rams should have traded instead of the Broncos. Maybe the Rams should have traded for uh, Joe Flacco. Uh, they, they look like they could use a quarterback right now. Oh, my goodness. We'll talk about that in a bit. But let's briefly finish up with what's your problem, man, with Curtis Samuel. Again, this is not a big one. So I, I was I was stretching here for what I could do <laughs> at this point just to tease you. But by the way, the Bucks radio broadcasters refer to him as Curtis Samuels, and they need Grammarly or something like that. Um, Four catches, 70 yards, and a score, plus an eight-yard run for a touchdown. He's seen at least six targets in every game since week one. He's had at least one rushing attempt in four of his last five games. You had him 46 sixth in your rest of season half PPR ranks. I mean, it's not crazy. I'm not that, but I had a more like a borderline wide receiver three. Does today do anything for him or are you roughly keeping him there? Yeah, I moved him to 40 overall uh, among wide receivers. And again, he's still behind guys like Tyrell Williams. He's still behind Christian Kirk for me. Um, So like that's the range he's in of players. Like he's still a boomer bust option and I don't want to take too much away from the small sample size we have with Kyle Allen. It's the same reason that people are talking about Kyle Allen keeping this job because they're they're 4-0 with him as the starting quarterback. It's, it's very circumstantial. There's been some good matchups in there for sure. Uh, I don't want to take away too much from it. He is the number two option. DJ Moore is like, eventually DJ Moore is going to see like some of these touchdowns that Curtis Samuel is getting. And then like when, when Curtis Samuel is left without touchdowns, the yardage isn't, isn't immaculate. So it's just, he's, he's kind of like a borderline wide receiver, three wide receiver four for me. So, I mean, I don't think our opinions are too much off on this one. It's just, again, it all comes down to which players I would take over him. And uh, by the way, Emmanuel Sanders, I did want to say before moving on from him, if his injury is nothing big, it's worth noting that there's been tons of rumors and it makes all the sense in the world that the Broncos would trade him before the trade deadline. So he, or maybe we saw the 49ers, a team that's contending now, you know, they, they, just, they just moved to five and zero. That's a team that's very inexperienced at wide receiver. Marquise Goodwin is their actual number one though. I don't really like that. Uh, maybe they make a play for Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, that certainly helped his value. Again, he started off nice this season, and his recovery from the Achilles has been miraculous regardless. Um, but he's certainly, his targets have dipped over recent weeks, so that would be a nice boon for him. All right, let's get into today's games. But before we do, I do want to talk about one of our sponsors, Manscaped, the number one option for men's below-the-belt grooming. Look, guys, before you go out, you look your best, okay? You spend some time picking out your outfit, you get your hair right, you put on deodorant, you maybe add some cologne— But even though the general public cannot see what's going on underneath your briefs, that does not mean that you can afford to ignore how you look down there. And that's why there's Manscaped, which offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Look, if you read Tag's Primer over the last couple of weeks, you learned about how he and his wife basically accidentally went to a nudist colony, and he got his drawers pulled down while singing karaoke. That's a great story, by the way. If you have not read it, please go back and do it. And that exact same thing happens to 86 men annually and you have to make sure that you're taken care of down there just in case you're one of those people (laughs) manscaped offers the perfect package 2.0 where you can get an electric trimmer called the lawnmower 2.0 with waterproof and skin safe technology that helps protect your two best friends you can even trim in the shower you'll also get the crop preserver an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer as well as anti-chafing performance boxer briefs and the crop reviver ball toner spray To get 20% off plus free shipping, just go to manscaped.com and use the code FANTASYPROS. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS at manscaped.com. 
All right, Tags, let's get into the games. Let's start with Thursday. Patriots 35, Giants 14. Brady throws for 334 yards on a windy night, gets the two rushing touchdowns on the QB sneaks. Julian Edelman with the big game, 9 for 113 with Philip Dorsett down. And then Josh Gordon leaves with a knee injury. This sounds minor right now. But I do have to ask with Gordon, he's on pace for 53 catches, 765 yards, and three touchdowns. Is Josh Gordon droppable in 10 or 12 team formats? No, he's not droppable. Like, I'm concerned about the injury. I don't know. Like, because he came down awkward on it. It didn't look good. And I was like, oh, no. And then we saw him on the bike later in the game. And it's like, okay, it seems like it's not too bad. I I, I wonder if he plays this week. I don't know. Uh, But he he was someone I considered one of the better buy lows in fantasy football, considering that Tom Brady's averaging like 39 pass attempts per game, even though they're blowing out their opponents. Eventually, that defense is going to start giving up points. And then they're going to rack up even more passing attempts because they're not able to run the ball. Uh, So Josh Gordon, it's really all injury related. If anything, this just made Julian Edelman like a borderline wide receiver one. Uh, But I still do like Gordon as a borderline wide receiver three right now, and uh, I would definitely not drop him. Now, you mentioned that they're unable to run the ball. So, Sony Michelle, he sees 22 carries. He gains just 86 yards. Tom Brady vultures two touchdowns. Where are you right now on Sony Michelle? Is he still a number two running back for you in most formats? I mean, in, in standard, yeah, he's like a low end RB2. Uh, in, in PPR, he's more of like a high end three. But, I mean, he has seen a couple targets the last few games. So, that's obviously something that's, that's beneficial towards him. But, I was watching that game on Thursday night, and all I could think was that Brandon Bolden looked like a better running back. And, and and that's weird because I was a really big Sony Michelle supporter coming out of college, but he looks like crap. I, I mean, there's really no way to do it. He's like he's he's walking up to the line and he's like stuttering, stutter stepping. He has no decisiveness in the way he's running. He's not breaking tackles. I don't know what the Patriots are seeing him right now. I, I, I don't know how long he holds onto this job. And to be honest with you, it's really shocking to me that Damian Harris has been inactive all year because he's somebody that. I believe he'd be a better running back for this team right now than Sonny Michelle has been. And that's not me just saying something to be like a hot take guy. I'm just saying that I think he'd be a better running back right now. This is really, really bad tags. I'm I'm highly concerned and I've kind of been brushing it all. I'd be like, ah, he'll get going. It's not a big deal. Blah, 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 blah. No, highly concerned at this point, especially because Rex Burkhead has missed the last two games. I mean, what's going to happen when he comes back? Um, You know, there's no reason for them to keep just going to Sony Michelle right now because he's really not getting it done. And I know that Brady does the sneak as well as anybody. And it's probably the right play to do analytically speaking when you're within the one yard line. But still, you know, you kind of feel like if they want to get him going and they want him to feel good about himself or they they cared at all, they'd probably try to get him going. And he, he couldn't convert early on. He doesn't do well in short situations, I think, you know, on, on third and one, stuff like that. He, he His history, at least this year, has not been good. So I'm highly concerned personally. I, you know, I guess if you own him for the most part, you're probably still starting him as a flex play. But as an RB2, yeah, I'm I'm barely there in standard leagues at this point. No, no, you just kind of have to trust him because he is getting that many touches and the volume is there. I mean, until Bill Belichick gives up on him, which he hasn't, I guess we have to kind of just keep trotting him out there. Well, you know my Jets and their top-notch defense, and they're, they're on the rise. <laughs> they're going to shut him down next week, so don't even worry about that. On the other side of the ball for the Giants, I mean— They barely had any players left in this game, so let's not draw too many conclusions. But Golden Tate, first wide receiver, I believe, to score a touchdown against the Patriots. Nine targets, six catches, 102 yards, and a score. Can he be more than a wide receiver four in half PPR leagues, or is that basically where he's going to stay? No, the volume's going to be there. You have Sterling Shepard, who they're saying could miss like a lot of time, actually. Uh, This is a concussion-related thing, and it's been like going on for for some time. So they're saying Sterling Shepard might miss multiple weeks. Uh, Evan Ingram's dealing with a sprained MCL, which could cost him multiple weeks. Weeks. So when you start adding everything up, it's like, 
Uh, Golden Tate, you're going to get targeted at least eight times per game, and that's got a lot of value. Uh, Daniel Jones has proven to be a competent quarterback. I don't want to take too much away from the game against the Patriots. So, uh, yeah, Golden Tate is kind of like a wide receiver three, especially with those guys out of the lineup. Yeah, and then they get Arizona next week. Now, they'll have Patrick Peterson back, but I'm sure he won't take on Tate out of the slot. But, you know, it, they, it's not, not the worst schedule, so it is something where he might be able to do some damage. Let's go to London. Panthers 37, Bucks 26, a game that was not nearly as close as the final score indicates. Um, let's just start with the Panthers. We've already talked about Curtis Samuel. Christian McCaffrey does almost nothing, but uh, just 57 total yards, but he does get the two touchdowns, one on a beautiful catch and run. DJ Moore gets a little banged up, fights through it, seven catches, 73 yards. Kyle Allen, two touchdowns, 227 yards. Now, I mean, you alluded to it earlier. You don't think this is going to be a QB controversy then. You think this is Newton's job when he comes back. No, I think it absolutely is a controversy. Uh, That I do believe. Uh, I'm just saying that it's such a small sample size that I don't want to say that he's like the better. There's so many people throwing up stats and and, and win-loss records about, you know, Cam Newton's last night or Cam Newton and Tyler Heineke's last nine games or whatever it was uh, with the team and their record and then like 4-0 the last games, four games with Kyle Allen. You know, Win loss should not be a. It's it's almost like a Super Bowl stat, like saying Eli Manning won more Super Bowls than um than Dan Marino, so he's a better quarterback. That's just not the case. So it's like, is there a controversy? Yeah, because you you kind of you can't bench someone that's been playing competently. Like let's not let's not act like Cam Newton was good before that foot injury. Like he was not playing good football. He hasn't played good football for some time. And if he's not able to run the football like he used to, he offers you nothing. Like he has a massive arm. He has that going for him, but his accuracy is weak. Um, he overthrows his wide receivers. Like they just need a game manager essentially with the way that that defense is playing. So uh, Allen might be better for the team right now. Uh, even though you know just because his record's four and zero, that doesn't make him a better quarterback. But he might be better for this team right now. Yeah. Now it is worth noting that after the bye. They do have kind of a rough schedule coming out of there with at San Francisco against the Titans and at Green Bay. So for the passing offense, you know, it's not lighting it up right now anyway. You know, it's it's probably been bad for DJ Moore, I would say, with Allen in the game just because he doesn't target him um, nearly as much, I think, as Newton did. But, you know, in the end. I don't know. I, I really don't. I like Allen. I like what I see from him. He's not overly impressive, but with their defense, with McCaffrey, they really just need somebody who's not going to lose the game, and that's what he's been doing. So I don't know what the latest prognosis is on Newton, if there's any timetable for his return necessarily, Tax. Have you seen anything? I think they're going to continue to mask this and say and say that we're not even going to talk about it until Cam's 100%, and it's like they can continue to use that as the excuse to start Kyle Allen so they don't look bad to the press. Uh, because everybody's going to question, why are you benching a, a, an MVP? Well, Cam <laughs> sure. Newton had one MVP season, guys. Like, as a passer, he's below average. I'm sorry. And someone else who was below average as a passer today was Jameis Winston. 30 for 54, 400 yards, one touchdown, five picks, plus a lost fumble. I mean, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans still get theirs. Godwin, 10 for 151. Evans, 9 for 98 on 17 targets. Um, I mean, look, I know they were missing their you know, two offensive linemen here. I don't really know what the takeaways are here. I mean, is, is Winston still a streamable option or what? Yeah. I, yeah, this was the, this is the the problem with Jameis Winston. And I actually, every week I write up a buy and sell and hold report. And I had Jameis Winston as a sell last week because 
I said, Jameis Winston is going to be, uh, he's going to finish as a top 12 quarterback. That's going to happen. The issue with Jameis Winston is that you don't know when these blow up performances are going to happen. It's also the same reason that uh, on our show throughout the week on this podcast, uh, like throughout the week, our start sit episode, our, our waiver wire episode, I said, grab the Panthers because it's like, they're going to get pressure on Jameis Winston. And once Winston makes one bad mistake, it compounds. And then he, and then all of a sudden you're going to have the number one defense for that week. Jameis Winston turned the ball over. What was it? Six times today? Yeah, and on the first play. Oh. On the first play of the game, he threw an interception, and that was it. That was done. <laughs> I thought you were making a joke. You're like, I'm like, didn't he turn the ball over six times? You're like, yeah, on the first play. He turned the ball over six times. That would have been a good joke. <laughs> oh, I'm the worst. No, yes, he turned it over six times, five picks, plus a lost fumble. He also fumbled another time right before he lost the fumble, so he could have you know, easily had an even worse <laughs> day. But, yeah, he turned the ball over. First play from scrimmage passed it through an interception and it was like you're right you could see it once that happened it was like oh god this is not going to be a good day for Winston so it's unfortunate real quick let's go to the running game here Barber 8 for 28 on the ground Ronald Jones 4 for 10 on the ground he does score the touchdown Dario Ngamuwale also gets a short touchdown late I assume that you are never starting any Bucks running back for the moment are you even owning a Bucks running back at this point Ronald Jones is the only one I'll own but I'm not going to start him confidently uh like bye weeks are coming up and and Jones he continues to look like the best running back out there. I have Bruce Arians is, is seems to be a smart dude, but he seems to make rookies like earn their stripes. Uh, even though you know Ronald Jones is not really a rookie, I think we kind of consider him that because it was like he was redshirted last year. Going back to David Johnson with the Cardinals, remember he was returning kicks uh, to start the year, and it was like it took a while for uh, Bruce Arians to come around. Peyton Barber's not the answer. That much we do know, and that's the part that's so frustrating to me. It's like maybe Ronald Jones isn't that, but he's looked really good when you give him the friggin' ball, and we know Peyton Barber. We've seen him get like literally a work horse role for an entire season and we know he's not the guy so yep well hopefully you know they have the bye this week because they had the London game so hopefully they come out of the bye um when they continue their ridiculous schedule here where they don't go home at all until week 10 or whatever it is and they make some changes and hopefully the change is that Jones gets to see more work because he you know he didn't have an impressive game in this one four carries 10 yards he did look good on the touchdown run but he's clearly the more impressive back so hopefully they go to him before we keep going, I, I want to, you know, I mentioned Grammarly earlier, but I really want to thank them again for supporting the show. I am not an old man. I'm 39, but I have an old man streak where I really think that people just do not put enough emphasis on writing and communicating effectively anymore. I read a lot of writing samples and a lot of cover letters, and when I see grammatical mistakes, it kind of makes my skin crawl. But Grammarly really, really helps with that. Grammarly is a writing assistant that helps you improve yourself and the way you communicate at school or at work or over email or pretty much any time you write anything. It's available across a ton of platforms, including online browser extensions, desktop editors, and mobile keyboard checker. So it works on pretty much all browsers. And one of the things I do at Fantasy Pros is I manage our news desks, and I work with our correspondents to help them improve, especially on their grammar. And there was this one correspondent who was really frustrating because his stuff always needed a ton of edits. And suddenly, his stuff became really, really clean and crisp and clear. And I told him how much he had improved, and he said... It was just because he had started using Grammarly. And if you really want to be your best self, check out Grammarly Premium, which looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions like a business proposal, an academic essay, or even a casual blog post. Just go to Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. 
All right, Tags, let's move on to Texans 31, Chiefs 24. Bit of a, a mixed bag here for the Texans, um, fantasy-wise. Deshaun Watson throws for a touchdown, runs for two more. He does get picked twice. Carlos Hyde, 26 for 116 and a touchdown, plus a 14-yard catch. He did lose the early fumble, but they stuck with him. But Darren Fells is the leading receiver for the Chiefs. Six catches for 69 yards. Will Fuller sees nine targets. He has five catches for 44 yards, whatever. To me, this is what Will Fuller is. There are the boom weeks. There are a lot of these types of weeks. But nine catches for just 55 yards for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, we love the 12 targets, but I have not yet seen the average depth of those targets, but they may have been negative. What is happening here with Hopkins? I'm actually going to pull it up right now because like I watched a lot of that game and it was so frustrating to see DeAndre Hopkins use the way he was. His average depth of target uh, was 6.2 yards down the field. Uh, they essentially turned him into Adam Humphreys today. Why? Why? Why are they doing this? What What is happening right now with Hopkins? I keep telling people, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is going to come. This is going to come. I don't know if I'm as optimistic anymore. It was so disappointing watching this game because uh, Hopkins, I had him uh, in some DFS lineups that could have done really well, but uh, he kind of dragged them down. And it, I can't say it's his fault, uh, although I will say... Deshaun Watson's stat line, his you know 30 of 42 passing for 280, one touchdown, two interceptions. It doesn't look great, but he actually had a lot better day than that. There were four touchdowns that were dropped, uh, three alone by Will Fuller and one by uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins didn't drop any passes last year. This year, he's been dropping quite a few of them, uh, and which is weird because last year he said he played through an injury. I, I don't understand what his role in the offense was today. I'm still going to buy DeAndre Hopkins. We have way too big of a sample size to know what the type of player he is. Will Fuller... Again, he came back down to earth, but knowing that he dropped three touchdowns, like his ceiling is there every single week. And like we, we, we've seen it in years past where it was like with Deshaun Watson on the field, Will Fuller was always like a he was a stud and almost like you wanted to play him like a wide receiver, too. I think we're back in that territory with how often he's targeting the air yards that he had in this matchup. Like he was consistently targeted uh, even after he dropped the ball. He saw 44 percent of the team's air yards today. So I'm still Will Fuller, his stock actually trended up for me in today's game DeAndre Hopkins maybe a little bit down but I'm still I'm still buying DeAndre Hopkins yeah I mean he's still a top five receiver for you right I just want to make sure it, it is getting frustrating I'm not gonna lie and and really what it was is the fact that yes as watching that game it just felt like they were barely targeting him at all past the line of scrimmage and it was just insane really to watch Fuller I agree on although I'm a little I, I really need to see what it's going to look like when Kenny Stills comes back right because we thought about what it would be with uh, Kiki QT on the field but QT is just not that involved Stills was pretty involved when he was healthy so I do want to see what happens with Fuller when all of those guys are healthy but for now I agree this game does not move me off Fuller at all I mean you, it's it's you know the fact he could have had a much bigger game but it's also something where this is kind of what's going to happen he sees nine targets you'll definitely live with that on the other side of the ball, the Chiefs, we already talked about the running game. So, I mean, look, Tyreek Hill comes back, has the two touchdowns. Big game there. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, not great for him, but good for a mortal. But, uh, you know, let us let me ask you very briefly about Travis Kelsey, sort of in the same way we want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. Six targets, four catches, 58 yards. He has one touchdown on the season. He's topped 100 yards once. His production is great for a mortal tight end. But do you expect him to pick it up and be more like the guy he was last year? Because again, there aren't really that, I mean, Hill has been out and Watkins is out here. There aren't really many other great secondary targets here. So what do you think is going on here with Kelsey? I am buying him wherever I possibly can. I actually was looking up 
um, some stats earlier, and uh, he is on pace for, I think, 11 fewer yards than he had last year. So he's basically on another record-breaking pace. Uh, the touchdowns just haven't been there. He has He's had one touchdown compared to the 10 last year. Uh, they're going to pick up. Like, right now is your chance to, to go to the Travis Kelsey owner who probably spent a late first-round pick, early second-round pick on him, and then, like, literally all year long they've been cursing themselves because it's like, I knew it. I should have taken Michael Thomas or I should have taken whoever, you know. Um, like they're cursing themselves. Maybe, just maybe, you're able to sneak in there and get Travis Kelsey at like a, you know, a third round price. If you can do that, like I'm willing to pay second round prices for Travis Kelsey right now. Like legitimately, I will pay top dollar because if you take a look around a tight end right now, it is a freaking disaster. Like it, it is so ugly. And I think that we lost Will Disley to uh, a year ending injury. Um, so if we don't have him, it's like we're down to like six tight ends that we could feel confident starting every single week. So even though Kelsey hasn't started out like like you'd hoped, like George Kittle started out that way too. And all of a sudden people are hyped about George Kittle. Travis Kelsey has been very, 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 very good. Uh, it's just a matter of he hasn't been very elite just yet. That's coming. So uh, bye Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I ask really because, you know, I do the trade chart every week and people get real mad at his trade value, you know, arguing that it should be much lower because, you know, again, people, every, if you own him, you're starting him and you're happy. Tight end is a wasteland. One of the other things on the trade chart is that all I keep doing is removing the number of tight ends that even register for any sort of value in a trade. It's like five at this point. Um, but that's the thing. People are upset about what he's doing. It hasn't been nearly as bad as people are perceiving it to be. And I agree the best is yet to come. You know, the lack of touchdowns really kind of stands out to you because that's where, you know, you see all the fantasy points necessarily coming from. And I think that's why fantasy owners are getting a little uh, perturbed at this point. But in the end, I agree with tags. Go ahead and buy. Let's move on to Ravens 23, Bengals 17. Look, last week I questioned whether Lamar Jackson should still be a top three quarterback with his struggles passing the ball. Well, with Hollywood Brown out, he doesn't look great passing, but 152 yards rushing and a <laughs> score that kind of makes up for it there. Uh, Mark Andrews, another big game, 99 yards. He does lose a fumble. Let's let's talk briefly about the running game, although if there's anything you want to talk about with Jackson, I will let you, but let's talk briefly just about the running game here. Mark Ingram, 13 for 52 on the ground. He does get the short touchdown, two catches for 22 yards. Gus Edwards sees his usual six carries. He gains 34 yards, but Justice Hill now sees five carries for 31 yards. So we both had Ingram ranked as a decent RB2 and a half PPR going forward are you concerned at all here with now it's not only Edwards that's siphoning carries off of him but I guess Justice Hill mm, not really do you think this is a game specific plan that happened here or do you just think that regardless if basically other running backs are going to see 10 to 12 carries in the game it's really not going to matter for Ingram Mark Ingram's opportunity has not been great like I, I want to be clear about that like he like as I mentioned my Saturday night was filled looking at opportunity and Mark Ingram is not like one of the higher opportunity running backs and Bobby talked about him being like a smash play in DFS this week and I wasn't about it because it's like he is he's getting uh 70% of the red zone carries which Gus Edwards getting 30% that's not a small amount uh Ingram's been getting 59% of the carries on the team as, in, as a whole so it's not like he's a workhorse running back he's barely in involved in the passing game so it's like there's so many things with him but the reason that he's still considered a top 20 running back for the rest of the season is because the running back position as a whole is like it's just full of timeshares and it's like you're I mean, you'd probably take Ingram over someone like Joe Mixon who's tied to a bad offense that's not being used in the passing game you'd probably take him over a James Conner who again part of a bad offense hasn't looked particularly good himself so it's kind of like he's a top 20 running back by default not because he's just like a great player or anything 
All right, let's actually talk about Joe Mixon since you brought him up. I mean, another game tags eight for 10 on the ground, two for 29 through the air. Now, Ravens are tough against the run whenever Brandon Williams is in there, but the Bengals don't have the greatest schedule. Is Mixon a must start option each week? And by that, I mean like a, a, a solid RB2. I mean, you could have two running backs higher than him, but a, a solid RB2 that you're pretty much starting each week? I moved him down to 21 among running backs moving forward. Like, I I would probably take Josh Jacobs over him, which it really sucks to say that because the, the Raiders aren't a really good football team. I don't think Jacobs is a better running back than Joe Mixon, but the opportunity has increased. And, uh, you know, we, we heard Gruden talk about um, getting Jacobs more involved in the passing game, and that's just something we haven't seen with, with Joe Mixon, and that's the frustrating part about it because – Mixon is probably the most underutilized player I've ever seen. Like I see in the NFL right now in the passing game, like in terms of what he can bring to a team and how he should be used. It, he should be used like David Johnson. He should be used like Le'Veon Bell, but but he's not. And it's it's really disappointing considering, you know, the Bengals are without John Ross or without AJ Green, like the targets. He should be seeing five plus targets a game. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, I already, I believe, had him 19th um, coming into the week. And we both had Jacobs 20th. I agree. I'm dropping him behind Jacobs. If for no other reason, by the way, than Jacobs is through his bye, which at this point kind of matters. Uh, you know, it always matters, but it, it certainly matters in rest of season rings. But I agree. There's no reason to be optimistic at this point. And it's really, really frustrating because I really love his talent. Elsewhere on the Bengals, I mean, I don't think there's too much to talk about here. They were, you know, they, they kept it close, but uh, they were beaten by a better team. Andy Dalton scores the late rushing touchdown. On Tate sees 12 targets, five passes, five catches for 91 yards. Tyler Boyd pretty much shut down, three catches for 10 yards. Anything that you really think is actionable here other than Mixon? Uh, no, I mean, Auden Tate looked pretty good. He made a few like highlight reel grabs where it's like when AJ Green comes back, it's like teams are going to have some trouble because both these guys are very big men. And it sounds like AJ Green has a, has a possibility that it comes back next week. And that would be awesome because I like watching AJ Green play football. Um, but Tyler Boyd being shadowed by Marlon Humphrey was something that I didn't know if it would happen or not, but it did. And Tyler Boyd paid the price, but that was his first down game. I don't want to look too far into it. Most of the time, opposing opponents aren't going to use a uh, their shadow cornerback to cover you know a guy that's in the slot 60 percent of the time so i i'll take this as a one-off situation for tyler boyd yeah i couldn't agree more i had zero concerns about boyd i didn't expect this either um but certainly i'm not at all moving him in rest of season rankings based on this game let's move on to saints 13 jaguars 6 alvin Kamara a little bit banged up this week in practice plays through it Gains 66 total yards. Latavius Murray sees 11 touches, 77 yards. Jared Cook finds the end zone. Michael Thomas, his usual self, 12 targets, 8 catches, 89 yards. I assume you've probably got two more games here before Drew Brees returns after the bye. Is there anything here of note with the Saints? Because there wasn't anything for me. No, this was like legit one of the worst games I watched in a long time. <laughs> uh, it was terrible. I, I agree. And, and legitimately, nobody moves in like you know that's really what i look at for these things what is the effect on our rest of season outlook on these guys for me zero change in my rest of season outlook for the saints in this game yep that's it's that's exactly how i feel and like the camara thing we, we i did downgrade him i think I, I moved him down to like rb9 for the week considering like the ankle injury and not knowing how much he'd be used but he did i mean 18 touches it's not like he was lightly used it, it was a bit disappointing in a good matchup against jacksonville who had coming into this game they had allowed the most yards per carry to running backs Moving on to the Jaguars, I mean, Leonard Fournette, really the only bright spot. He continues to get it done largely. Again, he is he is very involved in the passing game, 118 total yards. DJ Chark held to just 43 yards. D.D. Westbrook, 53 yards. Gardner Mitchell, just 163 yards passing and a pick. 
They get the Bengals next. That's a far easier matchup, but I mean, any, any real takeaways here on the Jaguar side of the ball? You think Minshew Magic is over, Tags? Is that what you got or what? I don't want to say it's over because like he was someone that I like Bobby like liked this week and I told him I was like, I don't like him this week. I, I feel like the Saints like take away they're going to take away DJ Chark with Marshawn Lattimore it's going to be a tough matchup and it's like it's going to force him to do some things that he hasn't really done yet and uh D.D. Westbrook got targeted eight times but he didn't pan out like I had hoped um so D.D. Westbrook was the biggest disappointment in this game for me Leonard Fournette continues to see crazy opportunity like outside of um Christian McCaffrey there is nobody in the league that is seeing more opportunity in terms of like potential uh and what he should be scoring in fantasy football Leonard Fournette and that includes guys like Dalvin Cook Alvin Kamara you know Nick Chubb those guys so yeah Leonard Fournette is like he's obviously you know a must start but with his opportunity you could actually argue that he should be like a top five running back the rest of the season oh absolutely I I mean again the passing is incredible I mean it's crazy because he was never really that guy and it's one of the things where they talked about it in the preseason and they actually followed through on it which makes me really excited I own Fournette I have a lot of stock in him um this year and you know I'm satisfied, I think is the word that I could say, because he could have so much more than he does. But what he has is pretty darn good <laughs> at this point. So if you're looking at him, um, I mean, he's not whatever he is. This is basically how I think I'd value him at this point. He could be a lot higher, but given how much he's getting, it's it's pretty satisfying, at least for me. Before we move on, I want to remind you guys about the Betting Pros NFL podcast, which I host and which is pretty, pretty good, in my opinion. We've got two episodes each week. One which drops late Monday night, during which we examine the opening lines for the next week's games and we give our early thoughts, and the other which drops late Thursday night, during which we give our best bets for the week. And even if you are not yet into sports betting, that's fine. A lot of the information there is beneficial from a fantasy perspective, like when my top prop bet was Stefan Diggs over 59 and a half yards today. We also have autographed helmet giveaways, which you can check out at bettingpros.com slash contest. Just search for Betting Pros or Betting Pros NFL in your podcast app to find us. Or go straight to bettingpros.com slash podcasts. All right, Tags, let's move on to Vikings 38, Eagles 20. I think we pretty much did the Vikings at this point because we talked about the passing game. Dalvin Cook does find the end zone, but just 41 yards on the ground. Alexander Madison gets some good garbage time work. And Kirk Cousins, 333 yards with four TDs. Anything else you want to say about the Vikings other than what we really talked about, which was the receivers? Yeah, no, not not too much here. Uh, it was surprising to see Alexander Madison see as many carries as he did. Uh, I know some people might look at the final score and think it was all garbage time, but it really wasn't. Like this game was actually pretty close um, at, at points. It was, seemed like the Vikings were pulling away and then all of a sudden the Eagles were back in it. And that's why we saw Cousins throw more than I think people thought he would have. My biggest takeaway from this game as a whole would be to, to go attack the Eagles offensive skill players that you could potentially by low on like a Deshaun Jackson if you can get him for next to nothing right now uh, Alshon Jeffrey had a big game so it's gonna be tough to pull him away but Zach Ertz is another one I'm buying like along with Travis Kelsey Ertz he leads the NFL in targets among tight ends so it's like the opportunity is there he'll start capitalizing on that when they have Deshaun Jackson there to stretch the field it's going to open things up for everybody uh, so Carson Wentz he's another one that you know if if someone drops him or if someone wants to get rid of him and they want to kind of just sell low I guess uh, I'm attacking that team just because it's similar to the the Falcons where their defense has been so bad that you're going to see them continually rack up the passing attempts. And that's good for all fantasy skill like players involved. And that's the only reason that Alshon Jeffrey had a good game today is because there were 40 pass attempts to go around. Yeah. Now, I mean, it is worth noting again, their schedule doesn't exactly lighten up on the defensive front. I mean, Dallas isn't, isn't great, but at Buffalo is tough. Um, Chicago and then the bye and then the Pats. 
So it is a little tough, but I agree. And I was going to really ask you about Ertz in the same way as Kelsey. He's got between, oddly enough, between 54 and 72 yards in every game. I mean, that that's consistent. And really, for a tight end, that's not terrible. Uh, you know, Ertz owners expect more. Um, but you're saying essentially go ahead and buy low on pretty much every Eagles skill uh, player. Good enough for me. Seahawks 32, Browns 28. Russell Wilson is not human 295 yards passing plus two touchdowns as on 31 yards rushing and a score um you know we mentioned earlier i I don't think it's confirmed so i want to make that clear but you know it apparently seems very likely that will disley tore his achilles i assume that that injury does not change your opinion that russell wilson is a rock solid top five quarterback rest of season right yeah it's like no matter who they put out there in front of him he just he just does what he does and uh i said i said in the primer this week that russell wilson should be the the front runner for mvp and that was before this game and it still holds true Absolutely. Tyler Lockett, five targets, five catches, 75 yards. Chris Carson, another really strong game here, which I love to see, 159 total yards. Meanwhile, Rashad Penny was inactive, but his backup, CJ Procise, actually loses a fumble, which only punctuated the point that this is not an issue for Carson anymore. I don't really think there's much else to talk about here. I mean, I assume you have no interest in Jerron Brown, who caught two touchdown passes, right? No, he's he's a non-factor for me. Like, he's he's sharing snaps with Malik Turner, with uh, David Moore. Those guys are, are sharing snaps. But DK Metcalf is, is a winner with Will Disley, um, potentially out for the year, because Disley had been a good red zone option, and DK is like that big size speed freak that uh, we could see Russell Wilson start to develop an attachment to in the red zone, similar to you would uh, tight end so uh Metcalf is someone that his stock did go up today yeah I mean I think the this Seattle offense because of what Wilson is able to do is pretty much matchup proof but coming up on the schedule they're going to be going up against Atlanta they're going up against the Bucks they've got a couple of soft ones there so there should be a lot of goodness for fantasy owners on the other side of the ball uh Nick Chubb dominates again 139 total yards two scores he does lose a fumble Odell Beckham Jr. does see 11 targets looks like they made a really concerted effort to get him the ball six catches 101 yards Jarvis Landry nearly scores a touchdown but winds up with just three for 36 Baker Mayfield throws for a touchdown, runs for one, but he battled through what I think it was a left shoulder injury tag. So I don't know if that's – I know he went back to the locker room and he came back. He didn't look particularly right. Any takeaways here from the Brown side of the ball? Yeah, I didn't know what the injury was because it seemed like he hunched back. Like, I thought it might have been a back injury. I didn't know what it was because I don't listen to the commentators when watching the games because it just would drive me nuts. So it, it, I don't know what happened to Mayfield in terms of what the injury was. I probably should have ch- checked Twitter beforehand, but he played through it. So I, I'm assuming that he's going to be fine. Quarterbacks – you know if it was a serious injury they have a bye next week anyway so i'm sure it'll be okay. yeah that would definitely help but it seems like they're he's trying to force the ball at odell beckham and him and beckham they're not on the same page those guys and beckham i, I don't know if it's a clash of personalities because beckham is like flailing his hands up in the air mayfield is like he, you know he's obviously a guy that's been cocky his entire life so if someone's questioning him i just wonder you know and people brought this up this offseason is there too many personalities in this locker room and I'm not going to say yes. I won't say that because like, I still think that they're both talented and that they should be able to coexist. Um, but it's clear when watching them that they're just not on the same page most of the time. I, this this has potential to be disastrous. I think, you know, it, with the personalities in the locker room, I talked about it a lot on the Betting Pros podcast, which was if they get off to a bad start, you don't know what's going to happen in that locker room, right? Because you got all the personalities. All right, out of curiosity, just put a point on it. Where do you have Odell Beckham Jr. in your rest of season wide receiver rankings, half PPR? I have Odell Beckham as the number nine wide receiver the rest of the season. That's good. 
You don't have to explain it. I, I'm not kidding. You don't have to explain it because that's exactly where I'm going to be. And that's fine. I just want to make it clear because, again, this is not a game where people are going to be like, ugh, but people are frustrated with Beckham. Understandably, the offense has not looked good, but you and I both have him. He's not where he was preseason for me. I mean, I, I've dropped him, certainly, but he's still a wide receiver one. So I just want to make that point clear. I assume that's where you were, so I'm there too. Let's move on to the most exciting game of the weekend, Redskins 17 Dolphins 16, a game that only gamblers and fantasy owners could possibly love. For the Redskins, look, fantasy owners wanted two good performances from Adrian Peterson and Terry McLaurin. They got them. Peterson gains 136 total yards. McLaurin catches four passes for 100 yards. Let me put it like this. True or false tax? So long as Case Keenum is the quarterback, you can start Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver three. And this was the last game this season that you could consider starting Adrian Peterson. True or false? Uh, I will say it's definitely true on Peterson. He's droppable. Like if you could find someone to buy him, be like, like, you know, maybe, maybe you find someone to be like, oh, Peterson under the Bill Callahan is going to be worth something. I'd, I'm dropping him. Uh, the upcoming matchups are terrible. And if anything, I'm buying Chris Thompson. Uh, but in regards to uh, Terry McLaurin, I, I would actually go as far as to say he's like a borderline wide receiver too. Wow. Okay. All right. I mean, look, he, he was certainly getting targeted. And again, I, I said this, I oddly enough, and we make picks, as I said on the Betting Bros podcast, I took the Dolphins plus 3.5, so I, I won the bet. I did say that I was a little worried because Case Keenum was the starter again, which told you all you really needed to know about the Redskins. But yeah, when he's there, it's at least competent, and we've seen what he can do with McLaurin. So that's fine. I have him certainly as a solid wide receiver three. I'm going to look at it, but he's a guy who can start each week for the Dolphins don't tell Brian Flores that they're tanking okay I mean he replaces an ineffective Josh Rosen with Ryan Fitzpatrick who nearly works the Fitz magic and goes for two to win the game so that was nice to see and Kenyon Drake actually sees 16 touches and gains 70 yards but of course Kalen Balaj gets the touchdown Devontae Parker scores a touchdown but just 28 total yards Preston Williams disappointing just 31 yards any thoughts whatsoever on the Dolphins, or do you just want to move on? I ideally just move on. That's fine. I always wonder. I wondered though, like you know, why did they go for two at the end of the game? Like I, I know that like the rule is when you're on the road and you have a chance to tie or go for the lead, you go for the lead, and I, that makes sense uh, with home field advantage. But you know, they were at home, <laughs> and it's like part of me always wonders. It's like, did they have a conversation? And, Bill, and Flores goes up to Kenyon Drake, "Hey, you want to get traded? Like, drop this pass." <laughs> or, or, or like don't score so it was it was it was comical to see uh them almost win that game because that that game could have very well determined who gets first pick in the draft no absolutely uh so i i bet they're secretly happy but um it, it was nice to see even though i did not understand the move i agree i it was nice to see that at least unless he did secretly whisper you can't really claim that uh Brian Flores is tanking. Let's move on to the late games here. Uh, 49ers 20, Rams 7. We'll get to the Rams and the quarterback issues. But again, the 49ers, man, they are for real. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 243 yards. He does not throw a touchdown. Um, He does run for one, though. He does have a pick. Tevin Coleman, 18 carries, 45 yards and a touchdown. Matt Breida, 13 carries, 36 yards. George Kittle, 8 for 8, all of his targets. 103 yards nobody else really gets involved anything you want to say here about the 49ers oh they're a team that's going to start trading for players i would assume at the trade deadline uh like they've proven to be a contender and um i there's so many people giving them props on twitter and i I mean i've slowly come around to say you know this defense is legit i mean uh they changed a lot with that front seven and and it showed uh they're making life easier on the secondary um but it does help that jared goff just sucks Jared Goff played like crap. He's played like crap for the past, uh, going back to week 12 of last year. Jared Goff has not been good. 
Um, there's really no way to put it. And I've, I've continually highlighted this. And someone asked me earlier today, it was so funny. I, I love when things pan out like this is because I had Jameis Winston as like my number nine quarterback or number 10 quarterback this week. So it, and obviously that wasn't a great call, uh, but whatever it is what it is. And we know that Jameis comes with some ups and downs, but someone asked if they should start uh, Jameis Winston or Jared Goff. And I said, I'm not really a big fan of Goff this week. I'd go at Winston. And uh, after Winston threw for 400 yards and one touchdown and five interceptions, uh, I got I got some not so nice of tweets and um, crickets after Jared Goff, you know, throws for like 70 some yards. So it's been so bad. Basically, if Todd Gurley's not out there performing well, Jared Goff has been terrible. I can't even answer it. I can't answer, like, how does that mean fantasy success for Jared Goff? I don't know. I can't answer it. But something is going on with him. And now it's, like, going over, uh, I think it's, like, his last 13 games now, including the playoffs. He's averaging, like, one touchdown per game. Yeah, just to be clear, it's 78 yards passing for on the day. The leading uh, receiver was Tyler Higby, who caught— It looks like a Luke Falk-led team that don't stop just not not necessary but accurate <laughs> but not necessary um let me ask something very quickly does the way he's looked lately are you downgrading the rams wide receivers or are you just saying look they're able to put up this production one way or another so i'm leaving them essentially where they are which are all you know wide receiver twos at least right i'd been lowering robert woods and i'm so mad that he ran for a touchdown today because i had him ranked like i was one of the lower experts on him i had him like 26 among wide receivers i didn't want any part of him and granted he didn't catch a single pass um but he ran for a touchdown that's something that's hard to predict uh but i'm slowly lowering everybody down honestly and it seems like Gurley is the key to this offense and if he's not if he's not going then the offense isn't going i i know the 49ers are, are much improved defense but the rams look worse than any other team in the nfl last, this week well they do get the falcons next week so hopefully that can <laughs> at least change things if there's anyone that could turn jared goff around it's the atlanta falcons <laughs> And the Falcons, in fact, lost to the Cardinals, 34-33 in an entertaining game. Poor Matt Bryant uh, cannot convert the extra point, and they lose by a point. Uh, Kyler Murray, look, it's a great matchup. Everybody liked him. Uh, 340 yards and three touchdowns. He also runs for 32 yards, so it's nice to see him continuing to contribute on the ground. David Johnson rushes for a touchdown, only 34 yards, um, while Chase Edmonds also gained 34 yards, but on five carries instead of Johnson's 12. Johnson also finds the end zone through the air. Six catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Chase Edmonds also finds a touchdown through the air. Larry Fitzgerald, six for 69. I mean, I feel like this is just kind of what we expected, uh, given the matchup, but anything you want to talk about here on the uh, Cardinal side of the ball? Uh, no, Kyler Murray looked really good. Um, like, honestly, it was better than I'd seen him look this season. I, I did watch, like, l probably 80% of this game in terms of, like, my attention where it was focused because this was a game that I was heavily invested in DFS in. And uh, if Matt Bryant would have made that kick, Matt Ryan may have won me a tournament. Um, so I'm a little salty about that. <sighs> David Johnson, I, I talked about it a lot on the live stream this morning, and I was saying that even if David Johnson plays because he's been dealing that with that back injury I, I think we're going to start to see Chase Edmonds eat into some of the production and this kind of goes back to what Bobby talked about in the preseason and I really did understand the logic uh, because if Kingsbury wanted to run 70 plays per game I said there's no running back that's going to hold up for that like you have to you have to sub him in and out otherwise you're going to run him ragged and they weren't doing it with Johnson Johnson was like the workhorse and now the last two weeks we've seen Edmonds involved and it seems like Chase Edmonds might have 
you know, that I don't want to say Austin Eckler role because he's not seeing as many targets, but he's involved. He's absolutely involved in the game plan and he's doing good, like uh, on limited touches. Like he came in, scored a touchdown this week. He scored a touchdown last week. But on the live stream, I had mentioned that I thought like he could be a flex type start, even if David Johnson played. So I'm really happy to see that come to fruition. But uh, I mean, this everything just comes back to the Falcons. Terrible. I mean, Dan Quinn is Dan Quinn may be fired by the time people are listening to this podcast. I feel like. Oh, he's fired. He's fired. I don't know if it's yet. If because I mean, Steve Sarkeesian took the fall for this team last year, and that was the stupidest thing ever because he he was not the problem. Dan Quinn has always been the problem, and I, I'm really curious to see what this team can do. Well, look, offensively, you know, again, they. I mean, Ryan was 30 of 36. It's a great matchup, of course, for the Cardinals. 30 of 36, though. I mean, incredibly impressive. 356 through the air, four touchdowns. Uh, look, you talked about Devonta Freeman. You were, I mean, it, again, a great matchup, but you were certainly more bullish on him um, than I was generally in a rest of season outlook. 19 for 88 on the ground. He also catches three passes, 30 yards, and two touchdowns. Calvin Ridley finds the end zone early on, not too involved. Austin Hooper, of course, eight targets, eight catches, <laughs> 117 yards, and a touchdown. Julio Jones does not find the end zone, but nine targets, eight catches, 108 yards. I mean, I don't. It, this doesn't change anything for me on the Falcons' offense. I mean, it was a great matchup. It's a good offense. You want a piece of the offense, generally speaking. Does it do anything for you, anybody here at all? I've said it all along. I want Matt Ryan, and like he's. If you want to tell me he's the number two fantasy quarterback rest season, I got no issues with it. I, I want all of it because it's like every week we're going to have the conversation. Is Julio Jones going to get it? Is Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu's involved? Austin Hooper's the number one tight end. And it's like you start going through this and you're like, the Falcons defense is terrible. And it, all it means is pass attempts. And and Matt Ryan, like obviously delivering 30-36 for 356 and four. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole Carson Wentz thing. It's like the, the Eagles, like Carson Wentz, this could be your buying opportunity where it's like once he gets Deshaun Jackson back, you're going to have the same issues trying to project the Eagles uh, skill position players. And that's why you want Carson Wentz yeah well I, for Ryan you're right I mean I think I, I'm looking at my rest of rankings I had him seventh coming into this week and that's embarrassing actually now <laughs> that I'm looking at it like it really is I'm not even kidding I mean that that sounds hyperbolic but I, I'm serious I, I really there's no reason for me to have Dak Prescott ahead of him and let's move on to that game where my Jets 24-22 it I I feel pretty good about this only because as much as people were killing Adam Gase, who is not a good head coach, I, I mean, it was Luke Falk, as you mentioned. Like, anybody drawing any conclusions from what they saw, I thought was just ridiculous. I'm a big Darnold guy. I think he has a really, really bright future. And I thought that the Jets' playmakers could really do some good things once he got involved. And it's not exactly like this was the best matchup in the world. But in the end, Le'Veon Bell, you know, 14 for 50 on the ground, not that great. But he does score the touchdown, um, and he wasn't really involved in the passing game, which was a little surprise, only one reception for three yards. Robbie Anderson, again, this was not a matchup for Robbie Anderson, really. Dallas does not allow, like, the big sort of play over the top or anything like that. They usually leave things in front of them. They allow some yards after the catch. But Anderson, eight targets, five catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Most of that on the 92-yard score. Jameson Crowder, again, keep seeing the targets. Nine targets, six catches, 98 yards, takeaways from the Jets side of the ball with Darnold back there. I mean, that Robbie Anderson, you probably missed your buy low window. 
I wanted to buy low before last week's game, thinking he'd get something done, even with Luke Falk. Uh, this was not a matchup that I expected him to do much, but honestly, he got loose for the one play, and that's all that matters with someone like Robbie Anderson because he's a one-play guy. It's it's a guy that could return wide receiver three value on one play, and that's why I think some people wanted to target him as a wide receiver three this year. It's just um, you know getting those. It's it's going to be difficult to predict, uh, but they do have a schedule coming up that should allow him for for more good performances. So I think your buy low window slams shut on him. Demarius Thomas obviously involved. He doesn't look too bad. Another one coming off an Achilles injury. I still don't think that there's enough volume to go around and support multiple wide receivers in this offense. So I don't want to go too crazy about him, uh, especially with Chris Herndon. Does he come back? Doesn't he come back? Le'Veon Bell getting targeted once. There were just so many things in this game that it was like a little off. And I don't know if we could take much from it because we've only seen Sam Darnold start two games, you know, under Adam Gase. So we, we really can't take too much away from the uh, the target distribution just on a small sample size. Yeah, I completely agree with the Robbie Anderson point. I did not think that, I thought you could have bought low after this game. I thought this was the game after this. You'd be like, OK, now go ahead, because I really didn't expect very much from him in this game. But again, he always has the potential for the 80, 90 yard touchdown that's what it is but it was good to see the targets there um that's what I really really like to see there um and I do think that I mean the bylaw window has slammed shut but if for some reason it hasn't if you want to look at it and be like well you know they draw New England next they're really tough and maybe you could you know talk about the fact that they have Jacksonville and maybe you know talk about Jalen Ramsey if he comes back or something like that and they go ahead and do it on the Dallas side of the ball look it's just I mean Amari Cooper was injured pretty early in this game. I think it was his, was it his quad? Yeah, that's what they're calling the quad injury. Yeah, yeah it didn't look overly serious. I, I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't want to draw any conclusions or anything like that. He did miss almost the entire game. So Prescott, you know, twenty eight of forty for two hundred seventy seven yards. He doesn't throw a touchdown pass, but he does run for one. Zeke finds the end zone twenty eight for one hundred five with a touchdown. I mean, your leading receiver is Tavon Austin <laughs> for uh, six targets. Five catches, 64 yards, just not a great day. Michael Gallup, only four for 48. Anything here that you take away from uh, the Dallas side, or is it just once Amari Cooper went out, it just changed the offense? No, I mean, if Cooper's going to miss time, Michael Gallup, is a guy that should basically see eight plus targets per game. He saw seven targets in this game. And even with Amari Cooper active and like playing the, the games prior to this, like the air yards and actual opportunity between those two players was very, very, very close. It's just Amari had been a bit, a little bit more efficient, but still Gallup is a guy that should be considered a wide receiver three at worst, even with Amari in the lineup. But if Amari misses time, Michael Gallup is, is a target monster and obviously receives, you know, a bump in the rankings if Cooper had to miss some time. Yeah, I mean, you you want to start him every week, pretty much, in, in my opinion, regardless of Cooper. But um, certainly, if Cooper's gone, then he's going to be a, a rock-solid guy who you'll put in your lineup. Let's move on to our last game here. Uh, Broncos 16, Titans nothing notable for really two reasons. One, we already talked about Emmanuel Sanders uh, sustained an injury. We do not know the severity yet, so we're not really going to speculate on that. But Marcus Mariota benched for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Mariota was terrible, 7 of 18 for 63 yards and two touchdowns. It's not, I mean, Tannehill was 13 of 16, so that's certainly better for 144 yards. Also throws a pick. Since we're talking about the Titans, let's just stick with them. Derrick Henry, 15 for 28. Adam Humphreys, your leading receiver, six catches for 47 yards. I mean, it was ugly. Tags, is this just, I mean, you don't really want too many pieces of the Titans offense anyway. I mean, I think the only guy you start comfortably is Derrick Henry. He even had, of course, a terrible game. But I mean, anything here to draw from in terms of the Titans? It's crazy to see how short of a lease Mariota was on just because like those were his first two interceptions of the year. 
Like he had been playing such a cautious game and so many people were like looking at his stats thinking that he was like better. And I told people, I'm like, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been like, he hasn't turned the ball over, which is obviously a good thing, but he's not like, he's not, he's not going to change your offense. And it, it kind of blew my mind that he was benched so quickly. Uh, Denver has been actually pretty good against quarterbacks this year, surprisingly, even though they haven't generated a whole lot of pressure. The secondary has just played better than I think anybody expected them to. But man, it's really tough to find value here. Like I keep lowering Corey Davis down my rest of the season rankings. And like I have him at 56 and I feel like I'm still not low enough for a guy that I, I want to say, did he see more than six targets today? Because I, I don't think that he saw more than six targets over the first uh, five games of the season. He saw five. Yeah, this is, it's, it's pretty bad. Tags, I just want to make it clear. I had him 64th coming into today. So you have a ways to go, my friend. You need <laughs> to there. keep moving, <laughs> keep going down, Tags. You <laughs> could go lower. I'll probably continue to go lower as well. Uh, on the other side of the ball, we talked about Sutton already. Joe Flacco just kind of game manages it, throws for 177 yards, throws a pick. Philip Lindsay does find the end zone 15 for 70 with the touchdown on the ground. Royce Freeman sees plenty of carries, 11 for 34. And Freeman actually does more of the damage through the air. Five targets, five catches, 42 yards. Lindsay just three targets, two catches for five yards. I mean, this is kind of what it is. You don't really, other than Sutton, which, you know, is borderline, uh, you know, for you. Um, you don't really want a piece of the Broncos offense right now other than the running backs where, what, you can start Lindsey and and Freeman both as RB3s or flex plays or what? Depends on the matchup. Um, I, that, That's actually going to be the Thursday night game against Kansas City. Kansas City, over their last 22 games, have allowed 29 running backs to post 11 or more PPR points. So it's possible that both of them are startable uh, in that Thursday night game. Lindsay is out touching Freeman on the ground. I think it's like a 59. It's like it's like basically like a 60 40 split on the ground. But the crazy part that people don't realize because like the, the idea is like Lindsay's a smaller back. People automatically tie that to a pass catcher and like the, the change of pace back. But Freeman actually has more targets um, than Lindsay uh, over the past month. It's like 18 to 12. And we're seeing Freeman run more pass routes, which is kind of crazy. It's still Lindsay in a 55 45 split. Uh, he's actually someone that I would consider as like a low end RB two because he's so efficient with his touches that he does get. And Freeman is more of like, can we, you know, like what's the matchup going to look like? Is there going to be enough touches to go around to, to project him for 10 plus touches? And if there is, that's when we can start him as like an RB three flex type. That is going to do it for today's show. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, the number one option for men's below-the-belt grooming. To get 20% off plus free shipping, just go to manscaped.com and use the code FANTASYPROS. Enjoy the rest of your Week 5 football, everyone. Tags and Bobby will be back to take you through the waiver wire. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.